to the truth in his heart. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I have the privilege of being in conversation with a licensed architect and the founder of a present company. Please welcome Megan Elkrad. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I'm glad I didn't pronounce it as Megan because that's a Key and Pale skit. And that just... Yeah. Uh, well, I don't, now I'm going to have to go back and watch that skit. I wouldn't mind a Megan, um, but for some reason it irks me when people put an H in my name. Oh, no it's... disrespect to the H Megans. It's just a different. It's just a different thing. That's that's great. I, I might have a New Orleans alias coming soon, Robert Delacroix. So uh-huh. we'll, we'll, yeah, yeah, just Robert, but it's just like Robert. Just put that on there. Just give it an accent. Love gives it. Me, gives me seasonality or what have you. So. Before we get too dipped into the podcast, um, I, I wanted to ask a little bit about your background. Um, like, you know, could you share your background? Where did you grow up? And maybe one of those experiences that kind of got you looking at, you know, design, architecture. Tell me about that. Sure. Um, I grew up in Wichita, Kansas. So that's like a thing that kind of, that's just not a known quantity in in Maryland. So people are kind of like, oh, I don't even know what to do with that. <laughs> I get out of that whole, like, where'd you go to high school thing. And and even architecture school, like I went I went to Kansas State. Uh, but the, the the funny thing about like when you're in architecture school, I, I feel like a lot of people probably have this experience. Like at some point, my colleagues and I were having this conversation late at night in the studio. Like, wait, is it is it not a normal thing to like draw floor plans when you're like eight years old? Is that, <laughs> is that not what normal people do? Do normal people not like? think about the section of like their dream house and like how it's going to have secret passages and openings. We were like, is it actually maybe that we were always meant to be here? And this was kind of like, that's great. That was sort of the case. Like I, you know, had Barbies, but I, I just mostly designed their environments. You know, I spent a lot, like my dad had this bookshelf and so I could like push certain books in. Yeah. I try to not talk with my hands. I know we're on the radio, but like <laughs> I would create rooms by like, you know, pushing the books in and making volumes here and there. And that that always like allowed for an elevator, which I felt like was very fancy. And <laughs> and then by the time they were supposed to just go shopping or do whatever, I was like, meh, okay, let's go design another really amazing space for Barbie. And so then I realized later in life that might have been an indicator. So it may have been <laughs> that it was sort of a always going to be a good fit for me. But uh, at the time when I was in high school and I was in that point where you're supposed to figure out what you're going to do with your life. It felt like it was an intersection of like art and science, art and mathematics. Yeah. And that I, I was, I was really into arts when I was in school, but I also had this logical mind and this, you know, so I felt like that was kind of a good fit for that reason as well. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and so let's talk about present company a little bit. I mean, 10 plus years at this point. Uh, so I think I missed a party, actually. I think <laughs> I think I had a date in there where I could have had a party. I'll just have a 12-year party. Yeah. So what is, you know, what's present company? Let's talk about mission, values, all of that good stuff. Almost like this sort of pre-plug, you know, before we get into some other questions. Right. So feel, feel free. Dive in. Well, present company had a different name when I started. Uh, when I started, it was just myself. And it was, uh, it was me and nobody of me for probably five years, I think. So uh, initially the name was kind of based on a, my initials and it was something I just sort of pulled real quick because I quit my job and I was like, I'm going out on my own and I needed a business card. And I just was like, oh, I don't even have a name. So it just was this thing that just kind of happened. And then at, at some point, eventually my husband joined me and we grew the firm and it, we're very small, but like it, it became about more than just me. So I decided I wanted to go through this rebranding exercise, which you know, no, everybody says is not a good idea. 
So it was kind of like, okay, we're going to do this thing. We got to hurry up and do it. So we, I spent a lot of time really thinking about what the meaning behind the name would be. And we had a lot of names on the list. Some were not that great. Some were, I think we wanted it to be playful, but really like explain our values. And then I was on my way to a meeting where something had gone wrong and there was a problem. And I kind of just dropped what I was doing and I was driving down there. And I, it occurred to me that I think, I think we are very much present for our clients. Like we really show up project starts to feel pretty personal for us. Like it, you know, the, we're not just kind of like detached from it. And so that just, it just hit me that present company made sense. And, and, you know, the pun makes sense, present company included, or, you know, some people (laughs) make a joke, excluded, whatever. I don't really care. It's still funny to me. It still works, but that is kind of like the mission and the value. It's, it's about like, you know, we work with a lot of clients that are doing something for the first time. They're opening their first restaurant, they're opening their first bakery or they're, you know, it's just, for them, it's not something that they've done 15 times. So they're nervous and they're putting a lot of money into something. Right. And right. I am an entrepreneur as well. And, and I have a couple, you know, side businesses. So I, I get that and I get their excitement and their trepidation. And I, I, I want to be there for that. I want to walk them through it. And the building process is like a big part of that. It's at the early stages. So it's exciting. But you're going to deal with people that have never done this before. They're not going to know how to navigate through everything. So yeah, that's that's kind of who we are. We just we're we're there along that whole process with you. And that's that's important. It's huge to, you know, especially when someone is taking on something for the first time. And I think we we have this habit. I think generally speaking, and I'm speaking of people in generalities, that oh, everything is easier when you do it. But no, it's not. The you know, I look at the process of something that. You know, I did, and I look back on it. I needed that experience, like in buying my first house, and I was like, "Oh, this is." I thought this was easy. I took a real estate course, and I was like, "No, oh, this sucks." There's a lot of you know stuff that's attached to it, so I could have benefited from having someone around. So when it gets to the entrepreneurial side, or when it gets to like having something develop, whether it's you know working with architects and things of the sort, you know, having someone there that knows it, understands it, and it's like present, if you will. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that that's I think that's really really important and really helpful and something that I think is often overlooked to be to be honest about it. And and you know when I'm thinking about it, even as you're talking about it, it even for our clients that do have a lot of experience, I think it, it there's a value to it. Like the our approach is just again, it's not it's not like it's hands on per se, but you know we own a building, we've developed a building, we, we kind of understand being on the other side, like on the owners owner side of, of a real estate investment. And so we just get excited about it in a particular way where, you know, like I might like go scrape some paint off a door just to see what's under it. Like, that's not really my role. Like I'm not really supposed to like execute work, but I'm like, Hey, let's go like take the wallpaper off and see what's underneath. You know, it's just, it's like, why not? Why not just sort of get, get into it? You know? Yeah. Why not start a horror movie that no one was looking for? You know, peel, peel in there. What? Yeah. Like, Oh, Oh, oh. <laughs> I think that was a season of American horror story. I don't know. So, I got behind on that. So, so I'm reading that you know you. Oh, so reading that your you know that that your first love or present company's first love is uh taking something old and making it um, meet the needs of something present. So making something that was old and making it new, repurposing it. And I love that. Um, can you tell us why like adaptive resource reuse and working with historical buildings resonated with you? Absolutely. Um, I, I have appreciated historic, 
architecture since like late college. So it wasn't something that I think I always understood that I would find interesting until I started really going on visits to other cities and, and figuring out like what actually was kind of exciting to me. And, you know, if you have the chance to restore something and, or even in some rare cases, I've had the opportunity to do a reconstruction, which is to completely fabricate from scratch, mm -hmm. something that's meant to be as close as possible to what you think it was before. That's pretty awesome too. But nine times out of 10, the reason a building is vacant and sitting there unused is because its original intended purpose has kind of moved on. You know, the world has changed. And, um, and so then you have this really unique and interesting opportunity to do adaptive reuse projects. So 90% so of, or well, I don't know, that's probably not an accurate percent. Some amount of, of, of historic restoration work is going to inevitably be adaptive reuse because, you know, if you needed this particular historic church on this one block, then it would be, it would have been maintained and that congregation wouldn't have moved to a larger church down the road or what have you. So um, it, it also, you know, there's sort of like this idea that, oh, you put a, let's say there's a coffee shop in an old, in an old building, in an old movie theater, you know, sure. by virtue of that, this coffee shop, if they're any good at what they do is automatically more interesting than just a brand new little coffee shop in a white box, you know? So there's something like very cool about intersecting two different things that weren't, you know, originally meant to go together. It also like pulls people into spaces they wouldn't normally get to see in some cases. So yeah. that's like, a cool like point of access for people. And, and then it's really challenging. So like to get back to that sort of more scientific or mathematic like brain, I, I love a challenge and I love trying to figure out how those parts and pieces are gonna work with this building that wasn't necessarily like designed to house and incorporate these uses. So it's like, you know, for some projects, it you've done a good job if nobody thinks you did anything. You know, if it looks like you really just preserved the building the way it originally was, but somehow there's a cafe in there, which means there's a kitchen somewhere. But if people aren't seeing all that stuff, if it's a preservation project, then you've done a great job. In other cases, like the, the juxtaposition of the new use is what is making it even more interesting and, and taking it into this whole like new lifespan for the building. Yeah, I, I, I've seen and I've heard some projects that are happening in the background that, you know, take from things that may have good bones per se, like, oh, we're using this old funeral home, we're turning it into a restaurant or we're turning it into a bar or what have you, or taking a building that was in wild disrepair and it's now going to be a theater and we made, we did this, or even looking at, you know, some of the, the old theater, like the, the parkway or what have you, looking at that is like, wow, wow, this isn't here? I had no idea. And it still has some of those those features that are character um, that just makes you think like, oh, no, I can see what this once was. However, this is very new in this this way, but also that ceiling looks like ancient and it's really mm -hmm. cool from a characteristic standpoint. So I, I dig that and I feel like there are a lot of historical buildings. Do you, do you ever work with um, any of the uh, like uh, Baltimore heritage or anything along those lines and, and looking at um, buildings and looking at um, like structures? The Union Square had been done and and then, you know, Baltimore heritage like worked to make sure Lafayette Square would also have their building redone. So it's a simple little structure, but there's a lot of history to that park. There's a lot yeah. of history to the building. And, you know, like if you want people to gather in a park space and you give them access to a, to power, you have a janitor's closet you can unlock so they can run speakers and lights and then you have restrooms, like that's a game changer. Yeah. So, you know, that was like just a very, again, like a very rewarding project, not like a big architectural lift, you know, like I, 
but it was just really satisfying to be a part of that. So yeah, we, we love helping out with local organizations when we can. Fantastic. So could you describe like, and I think it's a, it's a good segue talking about that, that project there, which is a smaller lift. What is a, a project that comes to mind that like really stands out? Like what was the process that went into it? And, um, and so I got a part B to it. Well, I want to at least start off right there. Yeah, it's hard to narrow down. And, but I think again, because each, because in the moment that I'm doing it, each project is really, is really pretty fascinating to me. I, the, the wine collective, I guess, was the first thing that came to my mind. I think it's nice. kind of fun to mention a project people maybe have actually been inside of. So that's a nice big open space. But you know, that one was very unique for several different reasons. One of which is it's a warehouse building, you know, it's union and it's just like, a you know, when we got in there, as much as that is also a historic building, it doesn't have like a tremendous amount of character, like on the inside, it's just some steel beams. One of them have been hit with like some kind of forklift at some point. So had this like massive, like, you know, bend in it and it just is what it is. But, but it was this big open warehouse space. And then these two amazing guys, John and Enrique wanted to start making wine in there. And, you know, if you visit wineries, usually they're like winding through the fields of grapes and into like this <laughs> bucolic, like, you know, cottage house where you get some cheese and you get a baguette and you sit outside, <laughs> you have a picnic. So I loved like how punk rock it was to yeah. say, like, you know, we're going to build, we're going to make wine in a warehouse, you know, and it actually like follows along with their, whole like winemaking process like the aesthetic of what they're doing like from the technical standpoint um, is also kind of like this taking of really high-tech things but then also this like really intuitive I mean I probably won't explain it nearly as well as they do but they they, you know they look at the grapes when they're growing and they'll go like nope those didn't get enough sun those are going into a blend this one is where it's at this row is these are my these are my reds you know it's really like they're really passionate about it and they're using like really high tech equipment for some of it. And then they're just kind of like doing this more like, like, I don't know if low tech's the right word, but you know, low tech version on the other side of it. And it just, it fit the space perfectly. And they really are a collective. They were making wine for other people and, and using their tanks for other like startup wineries. So for them, it was the perfect space, but it was like a really fun architectural problem. Like how do you make normally, you know, this whole concept of, of sharing a bottle of wine with someone is about, sharing, getting to know each other. It's a warm feeling and the space should be warm. And then you walk into this cold warehouse and you're like, well, this is the opposite of feeling warm. So how do we, and then also they're producing everything in this space. Like they need to have, you know, floors that are wipeable and these big stainless tanks, highlight, you know, they need to be able to see what they're doing. So we have these different lighting conditions for the tasting room side of it versus the production side of it. And those controls need to be in place, but it just ended up being a really, like a really interesting challenge for me to to like have people really immersed in that process, but to still, you know, hopefully bring them down to a more intimate level so that they can enjoy like having a meal with someone, going out on a date with someone and and like not feeling like they're in this big, huge space, even though they are. It's it's a great space. I've I've had Enrique on and uh Oh you have? Oh I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. He he got me he has me hooked on Vermouth now. So shout out to Enrique. Right. And, uh, and and I've been there a few times, like there are, you know, like I'm definitely one of those folks. If I go to a place and I dig it, I'm bringing friends. I'm always bringing folks back. And, um, we did a double date there. Um, and the space is is great. Space is gorgeous. And I love how it's, how it's set up, how it's structured. And I think the last time I was there, I was just there to get like, I think Rosé or something. They had like some Rosé or something. I was like, oh, I'm just going to have this. (laughs) 
this is this is this is what I'm doing. Uh, yeah, we're not staying. We're just having that, and then we're we're leaving. This is great, by the way, guys. Uh, keep it up. Keep up the good work. So yeah, no, it's 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 great. And I, and I had no idea. I had no idea you worked on that project. Yeah, I love that. I love that you bring people there. That's like that's that's wonderful. But thank you. Yeah. <laughs> do do you have and maybe this is a weird question? Do you have any design or architectural like signatures like? Um, and maybe it's not the the right type of question, but I think like I, I think about producers, right? When when it comes to music, they have a certain like note that they use, a certain style that they use. Do you have any signatures or approaches that are synonymous with you with with present company? Yeah, no, I I don't think it's a a weird question at all. I think in my case, I don't know if I do. But I'm sure someone else could be like, oh, you always use those Edison bulbs or you're really into dark colors, you know, and those are yeah, so both of those things are true. So, you know, but is that a signature move or is that kind of, you know, just where things are at? I I think each project is like they've just been like really different from each other, especially over the last five years. And, yeah. you know, again, getting back to that, like we're kind of people based. So we're responding to what that particular client or group of clients needs. And so it doesn't. It's not like I don't have a voice in it, but I'm, you know, it, it's less of like me showing, showcasing my style and more about like pulling out what's interesting about the building if it's a yeah. historic building or what's interesting about the process if it's, you know, something like Wine Collective. That makes sense. But I don't know if I have a signature move. I do really like dark green right now, though, like a really deep green. So. <laughs> I, I'm I'm a I'm a gray and ox blood sort of guy. Okay, okay. A lot of my enemies. Uh, so, uh, thinking back um, and and going back for more than a decade, as you say, coming up on the the, the twelve year you know twelve year twelve year party. Uh, how has Baltimore like changed from an architectural standpoint, from maybe when you started to where you're at now, or even forecasting of like what's coming forth or what have like what's in development because. You know, we never know where they actually are going to end up. So how, how has it changed from from your vantage point and being an architect and working in the industry? Yeah, that's a that's a tough question, Rob. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and I hate to say that because I wish that I could be like, oh, look at this. This neighborhood is like or this has changed. But, it, you know, some of it is that the more things change, the more they stay the same. Like, you know, things move around, but like. I'm a bit of a realist too. So it's like, you know, you, I could point to certain areas where there's a lot of activity. I, I've also seen, and then it's, I think it's also really hard for me to separate my own personal life from that question. So I'm thinking about things like in my immediate neighborhood that have changed because mm -hmm. that has this effect on me. And I, and I can obviously like process the trajectory of my own work, but, but Baltimore as a whole, you know, the development of a city is a really slow moving beast. Yeah. So I think these things, it, it does change and evolve, but it's it's so slow that when you're kind of like this close to it, when you're in it, you don't notice exactly the ways in which, in which it's changing. Um, I do think that people, you know, maybe, and like in, to get to the forecasting part of your question, um, with any luck and, and based on the work that you're doing and that other people are doing, I think the perception feels like it's changing. Like I keep meeting people who say, oh, I just moved down from Brooklyn. And I, you know, and then I, I brought this person down, I'm trying to get this person down. And, you know, I mean, again, people also leave, but I think people are starting to understand that Baltimore is a place with a tremendous amount of talent. Yeah. Like, you know, a, a refreshing, like lack of pretension. So I think there's like that, that for the right people where that really appeals, like, I think that reputation is maybe starting to like actually spread out beyond, you know, the actual city limits of Baltimore, which would, which would be great. 
No, that, that I, I agree with that. Um, I I look back as I think in, you know, I like that. I like I like that buildings are being used for, but not for, you know, this idea of Baltimore is scary. Baltimore is dangerous, but we're going to throw up a multi-unit complex or what have you. It, it feels weird. I'd rather see things go into a space. Um, you know, do something interesting with it. Put a production hub in there. Put a creative space in there. Things of that sort. I would want to see more of that because I think you know the the buildings and the structures that we have here. Some of some of them are, are like super old and historical, like buildings that could be turned into something that are like prime for that sort of thing. But I would imagine this investment, its resources, its interests, it's all of that stuff. Um, it's it's harder to do yeah. than to start from scratch, but it doesn't mean it's not valuable. It's just it takes a certain, you know, a certain person with the right kind of business savvy to want to do that. But I think I think yeah. you're absolutely right. And I think the intersection of that creative culture of the people with the need, you know, yeah. coming into these spaces and saying, well, I'm just, I'm just going to do this here. And then you find the right, you know, developer or owner that's willing to like put some money into a building. I mean, if you think of all the buildings that people love in town, yeah. they're by and large older buildings that have been, you know, gone through adaptive reuse, right? Like yeah. Yeah. love our house, our house is an old, you know, is an old building. And it, so it's just I, one thing that I think is like changing the more immediate, like last few years is just the way people are using their spaces. Mm-hmm. So that's pretty fun too. Even within like, this is a client who is in the building, but technically they're doing adaptive reuse and with their like, Oh, well I opened this, like even the wine collective, right. You know, when I was last there, I was doing yoga. Like it was, <laughs> but my friend was like, Oh, I'm going to do yoga at this wine place. And I was like, I designed that space. And she was like, well, <laughs> So, you know, we did some yoga and then we drank some wine. And then like the whole time there was like a live performer just like over there and we were over there and it worked. They were making it work. I was like, this is definitely, we were not like in no part of our process. Was there a meeting where we went, where will the people doing yoga go? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and I like going to like that whole like union areas is really cool. Like, you know, I've been there to the gallery, the cocktail gallery, obviously, you know, except I think I, I know I had um, one of the owners on for that. I had John on from Union, and it's it's a it's a mix of things there that you know you have to go down a hill to get there. So you know that's set up, and it's that's really right. you're not expecting to have like oh fun happens here. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's things to do here. I mean, obviously it's alcohol. There's things to do here. Great. So I got I got one more real question for you that eh, multi part, but it's one real question. Uh, so I want to really center it on Baltimore because I think that's where we were kind of at. Um, what is your favorite like public building in town? Like, you know, favorite structure, what have you? Because you're not going to ask that, you know, and I know it's, it's going to be a know. challenge. You know, it's funny. Like, I just I was thinking about this earlier in the week and I was like, oh, he might ask me what my favorite building is. But I didn't process that you would ask me to specify it to Baltimore. So I, I felt like a desire to cheat. So you can do you both. Like, you can, oh, we're talking about Baltimore. So now you made me feel guilty. So now so I gotta, you can do you can do Baltimore and you can do overall because I because okay. I, I appreciate that. Well, yeah, and 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 then it's like, well, why why would I have more time? You know, I, it's interesting to me that it would be harder to come up with one in Baltimore. I think it's like it has a lot to do with this is like this is where my life actually takes place. So these are places that are the background to my story. So when I'm thinking about 
a family member coming in town or like going to spend time with a friend, I'm thinking about like the whole thing, you know, I'm thinking about these places yeah. and, and less about like, oh, that's a beautiful building. And I, you know, I also think about that too, but it's like the list wouldn't even be that dissimilar from someone else's. So the iconic buildings, I also find interesting, but I think um, this, the unexpected spaces. So like spaces within spaces, um, really appealed to me. The, the first one that came to mind was the crypt behind, underneath the Baltimore Basilica. So have you been in that no. space? Yeah, so go check that out. Um, it's it's awesome, like you can see the structure, like you, there are all these like brick arches that terminate in this really beautiful ways and it's all there for a purpose. It's all like holding up the whole building. Wow. It, it, the character and the vibe of it's totally different than what's above it. Um, and that's like, so these like underground spaces are very cool. And that's one that's like meticulously restored and easy to go visit. So that's probably like a favorite space that maybe would be not on everybody's radar. Um, but other than that, it's just like, I, you know, I like these neighborhood places like everyone else. I'd like to go to fan zone and I like to like, you know, run another, this isn't even a building. So I'm, I'm just cheating. I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I really like, you know, going like running or walking through the paths down in like the ravine by Johns Hopkins. Yeah. Because if you blade, if you squint and if you're in the right part of it, you cannot tell you are in a city at all. This is true. You're yeah. just in the woods. And that is like so cool to me, you know, because I'm literally right. I'm still just like blocks from my house. But uh, yeah, I don't know. So there are these spaces, and that's that's why I'm, I'm having trouble saying, oh, well, this is, or maybe I'm just not willing to pick a favorite because these are all, you know. No, I, I dig it, my though. city, so. <laughs> I mean, the Basilica, that, that's on my list now because, uh, you know, I'm, I, I might be support, I might be doing some location scouting for a project uh, and it's very location based. And uh, apparently I'm the, the plug to some of these places of uh, inspiration. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. In in general, anytime you're traveling, especially if you're in Europe, if you can get into the crypt of a church, okay, they're interesting. <laughs> I, I mean, I just feel like that's a plot of a horror movie. Are we just bookending it? That's what we're doing. Percent. I mean, there's one in Italy, and of course, I'm not like conjuring up the name right now that is made entirely of bones. See again. <laughs> this as a person who likes horror, I'm going to find this for you. I will send it to you. It's. Okay. Incredible. I mean, I am on Shutter every week. This is just what it is. I that's just what I do. Just just what I do. Um, so I want to ask you about about this last one um, from your your vantage point and having a background that you know education was a part of it, mentoring was a part of it in terms of uh, folks in architecture. What are some of the common questions that you're answering or common advice that you're giving folks who are interested in going into the architecture industry, the design industry, um, and adaptive reuse, things of that sort of nature, what sorts of advice or what sorts of questions are the common questions or pieces of common advice that you're giving out? Yeah. The, the questions are really different than the advice <laughs> that sure. the questions, like if I go speak to some students, which I did a few weeks ago, a lot of the questions um, were really good questions. They were very pointed about, like real specific about how my daily job works, what it looks like. Yeah. Um, they're thinking about like what they're actually gonna do with that degree. Like, you know, so they're, I think certain students are really interested in the fact that I run this company. They wanna know like what that looks like, you know, soup to nuts, like really, again, like real sort of finite questions that are like, um, that you could consider boring, you know, in a way it's like, so, they're interested in like that at entrepreneurial side of things. But, but I also really like talking to people who haven't or much further down the pipeline, like younger, like maybe they don't even, maybe architecture's not even on the radar. Like 
for me, like the most important thing I can do as a professional is to like reach out to people that are a lot younger that that don't even realize that design is an option yeah. and to help them understand like all the different facets of design and all the different things that you can do with it. So you can be an architect and you can do, go directly into architecture where you're, you're building real buildings. But, you know, I mean, you could also be an architect and like design the background of games, you know, sets. Like there's so much architecture in the creative world and then there's so much architecture in the real world. And and there's a lot of possibility to that. So if somebody's interested in design, I like to talk to them about which aspect they're interested in because there there is this old school and I don't really subscribe to it, but there is this old school concept of like architecture being really rewarding when you're in school and really creative and then you get out and it's kind of a slog, you know? Yeah. The world breaks you or something. I mean, I had a professor, I like, had a professor look at a painting I did that was hanging over my desk and told me I should quit the department, just do that instead. I was like, okay, well, that's not super supportive. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Maybe on some stubborn level, I was like, I'll show you. And then I just kept going. But, um, (laughs) you know, it's just like, why do we have to, why do we presume that I have to like that that space I'm in where I'm feeling really inspired and creative is like just separate from this job. Right. Um, It's not, but you do have to, you do have to do the work. So it's like, yeah, you don't always like, not everybody wants to go through this sort of arduous process of building a real building. They they maybe want to like take a different spin on it. And so I think with students, it's, it's kind of fun to like, just, just talk to them about like what, what they're excited about and what brought them into it. Um, the advice that I give them a lot is to just accept that they have a wealth of knowledge just by existing in the universe. So it, it can be overwhelming if you ask someone to design a building when they're 18 or 20 years old it's like oh i don't even know where to start and they come up with crazy stuff it's just crazy and then you like dive in you're like well why is it why is there a triangle here so that people will look at it it's like but do people just look at triangles like is that a thing that triangles make people do let's back that up what do you like to look at when you walk through the world you know you are a human being in the world. So you have this like awesome amount of like intuitive knowledge you you grew up in a home you went to school in a school. Like, so if I'm asking you to design a home or a school, like pull from these personal resources that you have. So that's sort of like how I like to approach talking to students. Like, let's, let's get back to like the essence of where your ideas are coming from because they're there and they're real ideas. They're really valid. They're really interesting, but you're getting, you're sort of thinking that you have to impress me with the newness of it all. And you don't, you can just like lean into your perspective and and that will be unique by virtue of it being your actual honest perspective. That's great. And I think that's, I think that's where we can wrap on the real questions. That's great. So I want to hit you with some rapid fire questions. I've been adding questions as we've been talking (laughs) because this is, this is your fault. You you were so interesting. So I just started adding questions. Uh, So brevity is key here. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Okay. (sighs) (laughs) hit me (laughs) what is your favorite city you visited barcelona what is this is this going to be interesting what is your most overused word can we just rewind the tape shoot i know there is one oh i don't know i pass (laughs) we can do a pass on that one uh what's a terrible movie that you love it's like i know it's bad but i'm gonna I, i love it i love it anyway i like i don't know if it's terrible enough well, I like Can't Buy Me Love. Like, that's a pretty cheesy movie. Oof. <laughs> uh, crunchy or creamy? Creamy. Okay. Um, do you have a motto? If so, what is it? Mm, man. 
These are tough. No, I know. I mean, I'm just trying to think of the things that I probably like repeat to my children on a regular basis. I don't know. I like people to own their own stuff, you know. That's that's a, that's a very legit legit answer, actually. This is the last one. This is the funniest one, I think. What is the oddest pronunciation of your last name? Uh, well, I mean, like some of them are like not safe for work. Like um, you can say something it rhymes with though. <laughs> oh, you froze. You can say something that it rhymes with though. Well, I'll I'll just say three, and you can decide what you want to leave in. I I made someone mad at Wegmans when they first opened, and I didn't like it there, and I haven't been back. And she uh, wrote on the return card or whatever the loyalty card L anal, which I think was a hundred percent on purpose and very rude. Um, but a lot of people do say oh crap. Yeah, I can't think of like a one that's like this. <laughs> that's great. Um, L cart is probably the most. That's the most often again it's just not in the order that the letters are in but there's like i think that this fear when you see a name that you isn't familiar yeah. you overthink it and you just start mixing it up um now i will say this about my name which is mildly interesting or you might find it interesting there is nobody else that i am aware of that has it and some people don't believe me when i say that but i mean i've looked my father did a whole genealogy thing if you google me <clears throat> it will be me until it becomes like my sister or my dad wow wow i like it well pros and cons man if you go on a date someone's gonna know stuff about you yeah that's why i don't really put out there my real name I, i'm just like look it's it's robert delacroix it's, it's fine it's fine um there you go. There you go. so with that i want to thank you for coming on to this podcast and um i want to invite and encourage you to share um your yourself present company all of that good stuff whatever you have going on the floor is yours all right. Awesome. Um, well, I do have those two side hustles that I mentioned. We we own this uh, building, Collab, and we have a little bookstore. So I got to get a little shout out to Collab Books because that is, uh, that's, you know, I don't know, but an accidental woke-up secret. <laughs> oh, yeah. You should, you should go over there next to your neighbor, uh, sophomore, and have the Rob Lee coffee drink. You should enjoy that. Yeah. I was... I was actually planning on doing that today. I got, and then I got like, I was at this meeting. Oh, I had a coffee meeting, so it would have been too much caffeine. I was, I was going to impress you by telling you that I'd had the raw <laughs> and I blew it, but yes, let's do it again. And I'll just pretend like I did. No, I'll Absolutely. Have it actually sounds really good. I think, I think that would hit the spot. And if so, you go around the forage, they have the alcoholic Rob Lee, by the way. Whoa. That's That's new. That's a new addition. It's, a, it's vermouth based. Hey, oh my goodness. That's awesome. You uh -huh. put it all together. I love it. Yeah, just, just trying to can get myself like, out there. Design like a little pavilion somewhere and be like the Rob Lee pavilion. Oh my gosh. Like, oh, where's, where's it at? Where's it at? It's at the Rob Lee. We're having Rob Lee's at the Rob Lee. I like, I, I clicked on your merch button just to see it. It's just like, I was like, I don't know, somehow this concept that you would give everyone that had ever been on the podcast a shirt, like just like started making me giggle because I just picture all these people because I know all these people. <laughs> I just pictured us all walking around out there in the world with your face on our like blue t-shirts. <laughs> it's like the That's takeover. Really, That's really funny. <laughs> all right. I'm doing it. This is why I'm so bad at promoting myself. Okay. So collab is CO underscore lab Baltimore. That's the Instagram. That's the easiest place to find us. But it's collab workspace and books. And then present company is just present company Baltimore with underscores between those three words. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, check us out. You know, if you're thinking about starting a business, call us up. If you've been doing this for a really long time, you can also call us up. <laughs> and 
do not have a problem with clients that have lots of experience, but uh, yeah. Oh, I think I think you may have some questions for me, actually. I was going to say, yes. Can I ask you three rapid-fire questions? They won't be as like as good as yours, but sure. uh, okay. Um, best villain you love to hate? Best villain? Mm-hmm. Mm. See, now you have me thinking. Uh, See, it's it, hard. <laughs> it, it might be Palpatine from like the Star Wars, because that's kind of my energy. Because I, I just okay. be in people's ear like, yes, let the evil view you and the, the evil. <laughs> Like a like a lazy villain, no disrespect. Oh yeah, yeah. Kind of um, like have everybody else do your bidding. And Lord Sloth here, yes. Yeah, so, the, yeah. the influencer, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just in someone's ear, like yeah, yeah, and let the evil feel you. <laughs> yes. You're like, hey, you felt evil. I, that's not on me. I just, I just planted a seed. You I'm just helping you out. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. Helping me realize your full potential as a terrible person. Um, all right, favorite Baltimore building. Favorite Baltimore building. Um, Oof. City College. Okay, good one. Good. So I, that's where I went. So I have, to, yeah, yeah. I have to shout it out. That's, yeah, a, solid, yeah. that's a solid choice. All right. Uh, best place to take a date. And this could be anywhere. Uh, you don't have to have ever actually done it. Oof. I, I, I got to go with the lived experience. You know, um, okay. it would. I, I want to say I'm blanking on the name of it, but it was in Philadelphia. It was a okay. restaurant that was on a, a docked boat. So it was like this nice, like big boat. It was a wedding, all of this stuff happening. And this is where I broke out my dramatic reading of menus. So now I'm always requested to read the menu of the place because my partner, she never reads it. She's like, yeah, they got stuff on there. Just, you know, no meat. I was like, what? I don't. And it's like, mm, here we have the blah, just going down this list. And, um, and okay, the tofu so this is the date that like worked out. It like oh, oh to yeah. More yeah, yeah, absolutely. Always. Nice, nice, Always. Nice. Always. I mean, I, I, I had I to just be a troll. Someone, uh, I once took someone to a dilapidated uh, amusement park in Wichita, Kansas. Oh, it's wow. now closed. <laughs> Man, I have all these great horror movie venues for you. I didn't even realize those. This yes. place is insane. <laughs> um, it wasn't like it wasn't closed when we went, but uh, yeah, that was probably the weirdest place. I, th I think the only really weird one I have, and, and this is just like off topic as hell, but I, I, I can leave on this um, before I do the actual wrap up. But uh, the first time I went to New Orleans, my favorite place outside of Baltimore is probably New Orleans. And uh, I went down there for like this, this kind of like drinking tour. And it was down there in these different places. And each place that we went to, each bar we went to, it had like a different story. So like, oh yeah, this person, they, they kill their partner and put their head in a crock pot, a gumbo pot. And I was like, Oh my gosh. And then it was like, I thought I was bugging out because um at the end of the tour, we go get uh we get a, a drink of absinthe. And I'm like, oh, they say, Yeah, you see the green fairy when you're drinking this. And I was like, cool. And I'm there by myself. First time I've ever been there. And next to us, it's dark. It's a you know, big cathedral. There's a vampire tour lining up, and I'm like, oh, so this is how it ends. It's just interview of the vampire in New Orleans with people dressed like vampires, and I'm kind of drunk. Yeah, that would mess with me a little bit. I, New Orleans is a great city. I I had I almost felt guilty that I didn't name a city in in America, but again, you told me not to overthink it. But uh, I almost Oof. said Chicago, which is also a pretty great city. Yeah, I got a I got a Chicago story I'll share with you. So with that, I want to wrap up. Um, so for Megan Elkrad, I am Rob Lee saying there's 
art, historical buildings, adaptive reuse in and around Baltimore, you just got to look for it. <laughs> <laughs>